Okay, there's one verse we're looking at. It's 2 Timothy 1, verse 8. And just to make it nice and easy, it should be that one. Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Just one verse to think about and turn over tonight. So that should make it simple. And if you look at the sermon outline, it's basically the first and the second half of the verse. Nice and simple. When kids are young... They adore their parents. I mean, just think of Gabe for a minute. Just think of him in about two, three, four years' time. Young kids adore their parents. They rave about mum and dad. Um, They talk about my dad and my mum. They give you a sloppy kiss on the way into school. They don't care if you pat them on the head or hold their hand. None of that matters. They tell their friends how good you are as their parents. It's like mum and dad just can't do anything wrong. But then there's a point at which, that cha- at which that all changes. Dad all of a sudden becomes a dag, which is unfair. Mum becomes a nag and the school drop-off becomes this sort of hurried thing, perhaps around the block so no one sees it happen and there's certainly no kissing. It's almost like your own kids become embarrassed of you. It's like your kids are ashamed of you. Is that the kind of shame that Paul has in mind here in this verse? Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Is that like don't be embarrassed of the gospel of Jesus? Don't pretend that you don't know Jesus. Is that what he's saying? Um, We have uh, quite a few South African Australians or Australian South Africans in our church, quite a few, and there's different turns of phrase that you'll notice. And one of them is the use of the word shame. It's a very versatile word. It can mean all sorts of different things. Um, Yesterday at the Working Bee, I consulted one of the South African-Australian members of our congregation and asked him what this word means. And it's something along the lines of, you know, just feeling sympathy, maybe feeling disappointment. It's kind of like saying, that's a shame. So is that what... Paul's talking about here. Is it like Paul saying, um, don't regard the gospel of Jesus as a disappointment? Is that what he's saying? Um, If you Google shame, well, you'll come up with uh, all sorts of counselling advice. You wouldn't have thought of that, but you do. Um, The working definition in that sort of context is the shame is this kind of feeling of humiliation or feeling of inadequacy, perhaps feelings of foolishness, maybe because of something you've said or done or perhaps just because of things about you that you don't have any control over, like maybe you have big ears or you're losing a lot of hair. That kind of shame makes you withdraw and become self-critical in a destructive kind of way. It's a bad thing. Um, I'm not a counsellor, but my understanding is what you'd be advised is the best way forward is to name your shame, identify, work out what it is, talk with someone you trust, let them show you the irrational thinking pattern you've got and then talk openly and plainly about it and make a joke of it, perhaps slip it in a sermon or something. Has that anything of that got to do with this verse, 2 Timothy 1 verse 8? Is the gospel of Jesus something that causes you to feel humiliated and foolish or inadequate? Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. There is a basic principle to follow when you're reading the Bible, and that is not to read a verse out of context. And so read the verse in its context. 
rather than read our own thoughts into the verse, which is all I've done for you so far, rather than read our own thoughts into the verse, let the passage speak for itself. See what it's actually saying. Don't single one verse out in isolation. Read it in the flow, in the context. And as you read 2 Timothy 1 verse 8 in context, in the flow of what Paul is saying to young Timothy, it all starts to make sense. So in context, Paul's telling Timothy, don't be timid. Don't be afraid of proclaiming Jesus. He's saying work hard at it. Don't be timid or afraid of it. So go back to the beginning. Go back to verse 5. It's that encouraging verse we touched on last week. So verse 5 says, I remind you, um, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. This is um, Paul talking to his, like his son in the faith, his apprentice, talking to Timothy. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and, and persuaded now lives also in you. It's a very encouraging thing to say, but it's also loaded with expectation, isn't it? It's an encouraging thing to say because Paul's commending Timothy, complimenting him on the sincerity of his faith, saying, look, it runs in your family. You're all trusting in God. And with that comes this not-so-subtle expression of Paul's expectation that Timothy will live up to that family tradition, if you like. There's no room here for being ashamed of the gospel, is there? Um, In verse 6, Paul then adds to this by reminding Timothy of a gift that he has that others have, have identified in him. So there's more encouragement here, but more expectation. So verse 6 says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. I think the gift he's talking about is the same gift that gets mentioned in 1 Timothy, the previous letter, 1 Timothy chapter 4, um, when Paul tells him not to neglect his gift. I take it Timothy has this giftedness, this gift and ability to teach or to preach perhaps, and Paul's saying, don't stop preaching Jesus, work hard at it, fan this thing into flame. Um, Unless you've been to the Herbert's place, you won't have lit many fires, but if you try to light a fire from little embers, you've got to blow hard on it, throw fuel on it. It is an effort. It just doesn't happen by accident. Paul wants Timothy to fan into flame this gift that he has. It's not the way we, I think, not the way we usually think about gifts and abilities we might have. We think if someone's gifted, well, it just flows, it just comes easy, they don't have to try. But that's not really the way it works. And here Paul's encouraging Timothy to make a conscious effort. Just because he's got this gift doesn't mean it's going to happen by accident, doesn't mean it'll be easy. So Paul says, work hard at preaching Jesus. Fan this gift into flame. And then in verse 7 he says, don't be timid or afraid. So verse 7, for the Spirit of God, uh, for the Spirit God gave us, does not make us timid, you know, scared, frightened, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline, the kind of self-discipline you need to fan this gift into flame. And then you come to our verse, 2 Timothy 1 verse 8, and when you look at it in context, it starts to make perfect sense, doesn't it? Timothy has this God-given gift of proclaiming the gospel, but he needs to be encouraged to use it, to work hard at it, And most importantly, he needs to be told not to be fearful, not to be timid. Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Um, What does Paul mean when he says, don't be ashamed, verse 8? Well, yeah, it is a little bit like, I think, teenage kids, that sort of irrational shame, irrational embarrassment. It's a little bit like that, except this is more, I think, about the fear and the timidity that Timothy might have. Paul wants to drive that out of Timothy. And 
you can imagine, you can understand how this works. I mean, Paul is Timothy's mentor, if you like, and Paul's in prison, so it's possible Timothy would back off. Paul's in prison for preaching the gospel. It's possible that Timothy would back off from preaching the gospel. And knowing how people react to the gospel of Jesus might cause him to hold back. But Paul doesn't want Timothy to be timid. He wants him to be motivated to keep sharing the truth about Jesus, to be proclaiming Jesus. And what Paul does is he doesn't just tell him, but he also reminds him. He does a bit like what we did in growth group the other night, goes going around the group sharing our story. Here's Paul sharing his story, his testimony of the way he's done ministry. He reminds um, uh, Timothy of the truth of the gospel of Jesus and the truth that he, Paul, is hanging on to. It's like he shares his own personal feelings. It takes you down to verse 12. If you look ahead, verse 12, that's where he's heading. That is why I am suffering as I am. That's a conclusion what he has to say. That is why I'm suffering as I am, yet this is no cause for shame. Is that word again. No cause to be timid. No cause perhaps to be embarrassed. No cause to back down. Paul's unashamed of Jesus. That is why I'm suffering as I am, yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Paul is confident in his trust in Jesus. His life and his future, the results of his ministry, he's given it all to Jesus. He's entrusted it to Jesus, um, all of it. It's like Paul's sure of the gospel that he's believed And so he shares this confidence with Timothy, young Timothy, so that Timothy won't be timid. Um, We jumped over verses 9 to 11, but as you run your eyes down through verses 9 to 11, what you see is there an outline of the certainty of the gospel, this reminder that salvation is through God's mercy and God's grace. It's nothing we do. We don't contribute. So from verse 9, he saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who's who's destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. It's that gospel of grace, the gospel that we're forgiven through Jesus' death in our place, not by being born into the right family, not by being a good person, but by trusting in Jesus. And Paul's saying it's that gospel that he's appointed a teacher, a herald, and an apostle of. It's like Paul's oozing confidence in the gospel that he holds to and teaches, and he's telling Timothy, don't be afraid of testifying to the truth about Jesus. Yes, it's landed Paul in prison, but that's no reason to be ashamed or scared. So how does this, I don't know, how does this hit home for you and I? I mean, I don't think any of us have been in prison for preaching the gospel. I'm not aware of anyone having a special gift that's been given you by the laying on of hands to preach the gospel. Um, Most of us have had the gospel taught to us by somebody. That's why we're here. And it could be your mother or your grandmother, so it could be we're a bit like Timothy. There is a bit of a connection there. But I think the way that we relate to um, 2 Timothy 1 verse 8 is I think we can understand, I think we can appreciate that timidity that fear that we associate with talking to people about Jesus. It's a pretty simple thing. I mean, sharing what you believe with your friend, it's not complicated, but evangelism is what we call it, is something that most of us feel uncomfortable doing. And our non-Christian friend feels uncomfortable about us talking to them about Jesus, so it's a mutual feeling. We become, though, 
as Christians, we become kind of one person to our Christian friends and another person to our non-Christian friend. So we meet our Christian friend tomorrow perhaps. and We might talk about church, um, talk about how COVID's impacting on how we do church. We might even talk about what the sermon was about. We might talk about youth group being meeting in the hall before. Uh, we might talk about the boxes we packed. We might even ask our Christian friend to pray for us about something because that's what we do with our Christian friend. And then we see our non-Christian friend. They ask us what we did on the weekend and we talk about the fact that the Lions lost. We don't care that the Lions lost, but it's something to talk about. You can whinge about the Lions losing even though you don't care. You might even talk about Melbourne Storm, but you just don't talk about church. Even though if we did mention church in any way, it might just give our friend the opportunity to say, oh, why do you go to church? Can you tell me a bit about Jesus? That could happen, couldn't it? But we just... Surely that's the kind of thing that Paul's telling Timothy not to do in 2 Timothy 1 verse 8. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. We, we allow our feelings of shame to irrationally detract from the gospel and take that opportunity away from our friend. It's, I think it's a little bit like um, what Jesus says too. If you look in Mark chapter 8, towards the end of Mark 8, I won't put it on the screen or anything. If you look up Mark chapter 8, Jesus is talking about the cost of following him, you know, sacrificing everything, taking up your cross to follow him. He talks about uh, it's good. It, um, what he says, what good is it to gain everything in life but to lose your soul? And then he goes on in 8 verse 38, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory. Sounds very similar, doesn't it? We're focusing, though, on 2 Timothy 1, verse 8. Um, what about the second half of that verse? Um, rather, he says, so do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Join with me in suffering for the gospel. Some things, they're worth suffering for. Some things are worth being embarrassed for. It surprises me sometimes what people will do they have no shame if they think the reward is worth it isn't it important to share the truth about jesus you're here because somebody has done that somebody's spoken to you about jesus maybe your parents maybe someone else maybe they've done it at personal cost or at discomfort maybe they've done it despite feeling of awkwardness or shame, maybe. But sadly, I think it's possible for us to pour all our effort into just being friends with people, just cultivating the friendship with our non-Christian friend, but not really taking the time to explain the gospel to them at all. And so we have this fantastic friendship, but it's going to end with them going to hell. If they're your friends, why not take the chance? I mean, what is the worst thing that can happen? You mentioned church, you mentioned Jesus. What's the absolute worst thing that can happen? They could hate you. They could mock you. They could make life incredibly awkward and difficult for you among your friends. If you were overseas in another country, you might end up in prison, but we're not overseas in another country. What's the worst thing that could happen? And weigh that up against what could happen if you dare to mention Jesus. Our verse for today is 2 Timothy 1 verse 8. Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel 
The gospel of Jesus, it's precious to Paul and he wants Timothy to hang on to it, to guard it, to defend it. You look at verse 13, so the, the context keeps rolling into verse 13. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit which was entrusted to you. There's always going to be false teaching that needs correcting. There's always going to be a church that's teaching error. There's always going to be people who aren't, who are twisting the gospel. It's like Paul saying, Timothy, you've, I've worked hard to make sure, I've, I've, I've worked hard to make sure that you have sound teaching. I've made sacrifices for this. Guard the deposit. Guard what I've given you. Hang on to it. Don't deviate from it. I think Paul wants Timothy to follow the pattern of sound teaching, which he's worked hard at, Paul's worked hard at, made sacrifices for and is now suffering for. So Timothy is to guard what's being entrusted to him. And Paul knows, though, that it's God who will give strength to do that. So verse 14, guard the good deposit, which was entrusted to you. Grant, uh, guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You're not doing it on your own. God works and helps. And then verses 15 to 16, that it feels a bit like a change in logic here. But I think all Paul's doing is he's keeping it very real and giving some examples, some negative and a positive example. So verse 15, you know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including, I really find these names hard, Phagellus and Hermogenes. He's been deserted by these people. I presume they were close. It's a horrible thing, a painful thing. I think he's sharing that to say this is how rough it can get, Timothy, but just hang on. And maybe he's saying just don't ever entertain the idea of doing what they've done. And then he gives a good example, a positive example in verse 16. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Nisiphorus because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed, that word again, not ashamed of my chains. Timothy, you're not alone. Think of Nisiphorus. Do what he's done. Be encouraged by what he's done. He's not ashamed. Verse 17, on the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard to find until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. It's like Paul saying to young Timothy, look, be prepared to suffer for the gospel of Jesus and you're not alone as you do that. There's others around you as well. Let's be honest. Being a Christian, yeah, it can be awkward. It makes us stand out as being very different. Being a Christian comes at a price, but the price is worth it. So today, all we've done is we've just focused in on one verse, 2 Timothy 1 verse 8, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, rather join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. That's Paul's concern for young Timothy, and I think it's relevant for us too. I'm just going to pray for us. We'll sing again, um, we'll mingle and mix, and then we'll have a bit of a planning time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're sorry for when we speak in a way, or we speak and act in a way that shows a lack of trust in you. Lord, we're sorry for when we allow ourselves to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for his death in our place. Thank you for the forgiveness that he brings. Thank you for the hope we have for the future. Lord, we pray that you'd work in us and give us the same kind of confidence that Paul and Timothy have in Jesus. Please help us to guard the truth and the way it's been taught to us. And Lord, please help us to share it freely, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.